Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and then again every Thursday on YouTube as well and you are not going to want to miss it. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are discussing the solved murder of Mel Pleskovic. And this is one of those cases where not only is it going to infuriate you the entire way through and at the end, however, this is also one of those cases that's going to make you take a very thorough and closer look as to who you trust. So with that being said, let's jump right on into it today. Melinda Pleskovic, who also went by the name Mel, was born on January 5th of 1968 to her parents, George Lloyd and Opal Showman. She met her husband, Bruce Pleskovic, and the two got married in 1992, and shortly after that, they had their three children. They had two daughters and a son, Megan, Anna, and Kyle. Now, Mel's children were her absolute world. She loved being involved in their lives. They were her pride and joy. And she especially had a very special bond with her son, Kyle, because Kyle actually has Down syndrome and he is also nonverbal. However, despite his diagnosis, Mel did not let that stop Kyle from having the most fulfilled life possible. She always made sure that he was secure and safe and happy. And the two of them had this kind of indescribable bond and it was clear to everyone around them. Even though Kyle was nonverbal, when Melinda was there and when Melinda was involved with whatever they were doing, he absolutely lit up. Now, Melinda also worked as a teacher in the Strongsville, Ohio County School District. She taught K through six and then also taught eighth grade math as well. And along with that, she coached the women's varsity soccer team. So Mel was very busy. She wore multiple different hats. She was a teacher. She was a coach. She was a mother. She was a wife. And she wore each of those hats beautifully. So like I said, Mel and Bruce had their three kids. They had Megan, the oldest, Anna, the middle child, and Kyle, who was the youngest. So this case begins in 2015. And at this time, Megan had actually moved out of the house. So she wasn't living there anymore. So in the house, it was Mel, Bruce, Anna, and Kyle. And at this time, Anna was about 20 years old and she was actually engaged to a man named Jeff Scullin. Now, Jeff was also 20 years old and even though they were engaged, they were living in separate places. So Anna was living with her parents and Jeff was living with his parents. 
Anna was working as a server at an Applebee's restaurant, and Jeff also worked as a service technician for a heating and air company. Now, like I said, this was in 2015, and this is when Anna and Jeff found out that not only were they engaged to be married, but now they were going to be parents as well. Now, when Anna and Jeff told Mel and Bruce the news, everyone was very, very excited. This was the first grandchild. Everyone was really happy, but Mel and Bruce got to talking, and even though they were ecstatic for the new addition, they also had some concerns about how Anna and Jeff were going to afford to have a baby when both of them are living in separate homes with their parents, and neither of them really had a job that was adequate enough to take care of a baby on their own. So Bruce and Mel got to talking and they decided that in order for Anna and Jeff to be able to save as much money as possible, as well as being efficient and supportive on this journey, Mel and Bruce decided that they were going to offer for Jeff to come and live with them. So Mel and Bruce proposed this idea to Anna who was absolutely thrilled. She thought that this was the best case scenario. She would be able to stay at her parents' house, who would also help raise their new daughter with them. Jeff was going to be able to live with them so they wouldn't have to live in separate houses. They would be able to save money and then eventually move out when they were ready. Mel and Bruce were incredibly gracious in not giving them a strict timeline. They basically said, you can stay with us as long as you need. We'll be there to help take care of your daughter and you can save up as much money as you need in order to take that next step and move out when you're ready. Now, Anna then told Jeff what the new plan was. And similar to Anna, Jeff was also very excited and very appreciative of this offer that Mel and Bruce were giving them. So Jeff ended up moving in in June of 2016, and it was actually perfect timing because that is exactly when their daughter was born as well. So now you had six people living under this house in Strongsville, Ohio. You had Mel, Bruce, Anna, Kyle, Jeff, and now the new addition, their baby daughter. And for the first couple days, everything went really smooth. This was a very joyous and exciting and celebratory time in everyone's lives. However, like I said, that only lasted for a couple of days. Because while everyone was doting over Anna and Jeff's daughter and Anna and Jeff were adjusting to becoming new parents, there were some very concerning things that started happening on the property that they all lived on. Now, to give you a visual of the property, this is a three-story house with the basement being the lower first story. And then the second story was the main story of the house. And the second story had these big sliding glass doors in the back of the house that led out to a wooden porch. And that porch had stairs that led you to this big piece of land that was the backyard. Instead of it being more of a standard backyard where you have property, lines and those property lines are defined by either some type of fence or some type of gate or something like that. This was one big piece of land that the Pluskovics actually shared with their neighbors. Now I have heard of some people doing that before. I know that that is a not super uncommon thing. And for Bruce and Mel, they've lived in this home for decades. So this was nothing unfamiliar to them and they never ever had any issues with trespassing or any strange or worrisome experiences. 
So you could imagine everyone's surprise when a couple days after Jeff moved into the house, Jeff and Anna were actually home alone and they were eating dinner at the kitchen table. Now it was nighttime, so it was dark, and Jeff was sitting at the kitchen table and he ended up looking out the window onto the backyard. And when he did that, he noticed that there was a group of four strangers standing at the very back of the backyard and they were kind of just standing out there smoking, and at first not causing any harm or any worry. And Jeff and Anna said that at first they didn't really see a need to be worried because they just seemed like I said, they were smoking, they were doing their own thing. However, they then noticed that the four strangers then turned and faced directly at the house almost as if they were just blatantly staring into their home. And like I said, they were a far ways back from where the house actually was. However, they were close enough where Jeff and Anna could see them and they could notice that they were just staring straight on onto the house. But again, they didn't really see that much of an issue until one of the four people started walking directly towards the house. Now, instead of walking directly up to the door on the patio, this person actually just stopped right where the trampoline was and started tampering with it. They weren't jumping on it or anything like that, but they were messing with the hardware a little bit and looking underneath it, just acting suspicious. Now, at this point, Jeff and Anna said that they were both equally uncomfortable about what was going on, so they decided to call the police. However, by the time police got there, these four strangers had left, so the only two people who actually saw them were Jeff and Anna. And not only could the police not find these people, there was no evidence that these people were there to begin with. Like I said earlier, these people looked as if they were smoking, according to Anna and Jeff. And when police looked, there was no sign that anyone had been out there smoking. And so police ultimately had to leave, but they did tell Anna and Jeff, as well as Bruce and Mel, that if anything else happened to call them and that they would be there and help sort it out. So like I said, that happened in June of 2016, and the family was definitely on edge for the next couple of days. However, they ultimately kind of over time relaxed a little bit, and they didn't forget about the situation. However, they weren't living their life in fear of the situation. So they continued living on like everything was fine, and that was until November 2016, when things kind of got ramped up a notch. So one day in November of 2016, Anna was at home by herself with her daughter. She was sitting in the front of the house and she started hearing a noise and she noticed that the noise was coming from the back of the house. When I say back of the house, I'm referring to the back patio. So she's sitting in the front of the house and she hears a sound that sounds like someone is trying to break in the back door. Now at first, Anna thought it was either just her parents or Jeff who had forgotten their keys. So she grabbed her daughter and made her way to the back of the house. And when she turned the corner and then faced directly towards the sliding glass doors, she saw an unknown male with his face pressed against the glass window. And in a matter of seconds, Anna froze, understandably. I think most people would in that situation. And she did not know what to do. And that is when the male also notices 
Anna. So the two of them lock eyes, and the second that this happens, the man ducks down and runs off. It's at this time that Anna grabs her phone, runs upstairs, and locks herself in the bedroom to call police. However, again, when police got there, the man had already left, and there was no evidence that anyone had been there at all, so they had to tell her again, you know, we're sorry that this happened, but if it happens again, give us a call and we'll come out here and try it and situate it. And at that time, police did look around the house and Anna also wasn't really able to give a description of what this man looked like. So now we fast forward two months into January of 2017 and there was another incident that happened on the property. In January of 2017, Bruce's car was actually broken into and his laptop was stolen from inside of it. When this happened, he called police and told them that most likely the person who took his laptop had to have been affiliated in some way with the weird instances that had happened in months prior. Now, police agreed with Bruce's theory. However, again, there was no evidence to prove who was behind it. So they had all of these little things adding up, but no evidence to prove who could have possibly done it. Now, fast forward a couple months later, and Anna was at home with her daughter and Jeff, and her and Jeff were on the top story of the house, so they were upstairs, and the three of them were together, and Anna looked out the window, and again, it was nighttime, so it was dark, but when she looked out the window, she saw three strangers just staring at her house. Now, at this point, Anna freaks out. She calls Jeff over and Jeff looks outside and sees these people and Anna picks up her phone to call the police. And while she's doing that, Jeff decides that he doesn't want to just sit back and watch this happen anymore. So he runs downstairs, grabs a flashlight and starts walking outside towards these people. However, while he's walking towards them, these people run off. Now again, the police showed up. They did a whole intensive search of the backyard. However, they still came up with nothing. And things did not stop there. Shortly after this incident, there was another where Anna was at the house with her daughter and Melinda was upstairs. Anna was at the front of the house. And again, she said that she started hearing that weird noise coming from the back door again. So she got up and started walking to the back of the house. However, this time, instead of turning the corner and coming in direct view of the sliding glass door, Anna said she kind of hid behind the wall that way she could peek her head over and see if she could see who was there. Now, once she was able to peek her head around the corner, she said that there were two hooded, very large men trying to force the back door open. And when Anna saw this, she said she could not help but scream at the top of her lungs, which obviously scared these men away and they ran off. Now, when Mel heard her daughter screaming downstairs, she raced down there, and that is when Anna told her what had happened. And again, they called police, but just like before, police came out, they searched the house, and there was nothing to suggest that anyone was ever there to begin with. 
Now, in September of 2017, one of Mel's car keys actually went missing. You know how when you get a car, you usually get at least two sets of keys. Well, one of those car keys actually went missing and it didn't go missing, it was stolen. And whoever took these keys were using them to basically just harass Mel and her family even more. They would set off the car alarm at weird hours of the night, as well as turn her car on and off by simply just using the key. Now, it was at this time that Bruce noticed that there were actually nails jammed in to his tires on his car as well. So now you have weird things happening with both Mel and Bruce's cars. And again, they called the police, but police really couldn't do anything. And Mel actually posted a Facebook status at 7.36 a.m. in September of 2017 saying, quote, so much for sleeping in. Whoever still has my stolen keys was playing with the remote at 4.30 a.m. and kept starting the van at 7 a.m. Another call to the Strongsville PD. OMG, leave us alone, unquote. Then a month later in October, October 19th to be exact of 2017, Jeff was at home at the house by himself and he heard someone messing with the door again. This time it was the front door. He grabbed the family dog kind of by the dog's collar. That way the dog wouldn't be able to just run off and took the dog towards the door to see who was there. And again, Jeff said he saw a large figure in a hood so that way he couldn't identify him and so at this point jeff actually took his hand off the dog's collar but kept the dog inside so the dog didn't just run off after this person he just ran up towards the door so the dog runs towards the door barking its head off and this scared whoever was trying to get in and they booked it and again police were called and they couldn't do anything however this is when things took a turn for the ultimate worst. Before we get any further, I want to take a second and thank our sponsors for today's video. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So five days after the incident where Jeff was at home with the dog and the intruder, on October 23rd, Jeff, Bruce, as well as Jeff and Anna's daughter all decided that they were going to go to Applebee's for dinner that night. Like I mentioned earlier, Anna worked as a waitress at Applebee's, so they were going to go see Anna and have some dinner, and Mel and Kyle were going to stay back at the house. They met at Applebee's, and then they both drove separately back home. Now, once they got back home, Bruce was the first one to go to the door. However, the front door was locked, so Bruce Bruce started knocking at the door and Kyle ultimately answered it. So now you have Bruce, Jeff, Kyle, Mel, 
and Jeff and Anna's daughter at the house, Anna is still at work. Now, when Bruce gets into the house, he starts walking towards the kitchen. And once he gets to the kitchen, he notices his wife, Mel, dead on the floor. Mel had been stabbed in the back 35 times and shot in the head three times. Bruce basically screamed the second he saw this and grabbed his granddaughter and Kyle and ran straight out of the house and Jeff followed behind him. Jeff and Bruce both made separate 911 calls. Jeff made his first and Bruce made his after that. Now the only difference between Bruce's phone call and Jeff's phone call to 911 is that when Bruce was on the phone with the 911 operator, he basically said that the Strongsville police department should have worked harder at figuring out who was responsible for these random intrusions or attempted intrusions into his home because he thought that without a doubt there had to be a link between all of those very bizarre attempts on getting in their home and the fact that now his wife is dead. So Bruce is basically saying that he thought that police really dropped the ball here. So now when police showed up, they realized that they now have a homicide investigation on their hands and they still had no evidence as to who this random group of people were who were supposedly harassing the Pleskovic household. So police decided to start from the inside of the house and basically work their way out. So they searched all up and down the home. They looked in all the cars. They looked everywhere for any sign of any possible DNA or anything. And this is when the unimaginable happened. When police looked through Jeff, Mel and Bruce's basically son-in-law's 2002 Chevy pickup truck, they discovered a large tactical knife with blood on it. The knife was hidden under a bunch of just random items in the back seat, and the blood on the knife matched the blood of Mel Pleskovec. Along with that, there was more blood found on the inside door of the passenger seat, and that was enough evidence to arrest Jeff. So let me slow down here because I'm sure there's some people saying, how, how did we get here? How did we get from point A to point B? So let's break it down. Jeff Scullin, the same man who fathered Mel and Bruce's first grandchild, the man that they brought into their house, the man that was going to marry their daughter, brutally and viciously murdered Mel Pleskovic. Now, Jeff was arrested on a murder charge for the murder of Mel Pleskovic. However, he did not plead guilty to the charges. He pled no contest, which basically means that he accepted the guilty verdict without going to trial. However, he's not actually admitting what he did or didn't do, but he's accepting the guilty verdict without having to admit to what he did. Now, you might be sitting there as I was when I was doing all my research saying, how and why did this happen? Well, apparently Mel and Jeff had gotten into multiple disputes over the years. However, it was nothing crazy. And even during Mel's interrogation, he said that it all happened so fast and I just lost it. Now, when this happened in October of 2017, Jeff and Anna were planning on getting married and Jeff was paying for the wedding. However, Jeff's credit card had actually been declined three 
times in the process of trying to pay for all of the necessities for their wedding. And it was said that that information was going to be passed on to Mel. And according to this theory of this motive, Jeff knew that Mel was going to be upset if she found out that he wasn't going to be able to pay for the wedding like he said he was. So in turn, he decided to kill her. So that is the main theory in this case. However, Jeff has actually never came out and said what his motive is. Again, he pled no contest and he didn't actually plead guilty. So we probably will never know what Jeff's true motive was. However, to believe that it was only solely based off of his financial issues in regards to their wedding doesn't seem too accurate. And the reason that it doesn't seem very accurate is because after police were completed with their investigation, they would actually discover that Jeff was actually the mastermind behind all of the harassment that was happening to their family. So all of the people that were standing outside, the people that broke into Bruce's car, the people that took Mel's car keys, Jeff was responsible for all of it. And when you think about it like that, you think, okay, there's no possible way that the only motive was this whole financial issue regarding the wedding because this had been happening for about a year and a half prior to all of this. Now, in the deep dives of all the research that I've done, I've seen, you know, different pages and articles of theories and whatnot. And through all of that, I have learned that despite the fact that Mel opened her doors to Jeff, let him into her home, let him live under her roof, it is known that Jeff hated Melinda. He had a deep hatred for Melinda. He despised Melinda. So even though Melinda let him live in her house with her daughter, with their grandchild, the theory that kind of floats around the Strongsville community and the people that know the family and know Jeff, it is said that the second that Jeff moved into that house, he was plotting a way to murder Melinda. Now, why exactly he hated Melinda? No idea. But he apparently had a very, very, very deep hatred for her. Now, usually this is the time where I give my final thoughts or whatnot, but I have so many questions about this case and I am so curious to see what you think because my first question lies with the random people that were harassing the Pluskovic family. And I wanna know if these people even exist at all because I find it very ironic that the only people that saw these random harassers were Anna and Jeff. Bruce and Melinda never, ever saw these people. And with what we know now, that all of this was simply orchestrated by Jeff, whether that be that he hired friends or just random people to come and basically scare his family for a year and a half, it's honestly mind-blowing when you think about it that he was that determined and that dedicated and was trying to set up such a solid alibi when the whole time he knew that all of this was to eventually lead to one goal, which was to kill Melinda. But my question here lies in the fact of, do you think that these people ever even existed? Because there's only really two options. The two options are, these are people that Jeff knew and that Jeff hired. And if that's the case, where are these people and who are these people? But then you have to look at the question of, did they even ever exist? However, when you look at it like that, the only way that it's possible for these people to have not existed is if Anna was in on it too. And this is all alleged, it's all hypothetical, it's all theory. It just makes you wonder. 
we don't know what happened. But because we don't know what happened, it definitely leaves with a lot more questions than it does answers. And you also might be sitting there wondering, did this family ever install security cameras? The answer to that is no, because I know in a lot of the research that I did and a lot of the comments that I read on this case, people were saying that it's baffling that this family never installed security cameras. So that is the case of Melinda Pleskovic, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. I am so invested in the motive behind this case and wanting to know why this happened and wanting to know every detail because it just does not make sense in my mind. So I'm very curious to see what you guys have to say. But with that being said, you guys, that is going to be all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Again, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and then again, every Thursday on YouTube as well. And you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye, guys. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.